Welcome to One Word with me, Thomas Leamy, a podcast where I'm joined by experts to discuss one word, topic or concept from an entirely fresh perspective. As an organizational wellness consultant and psychology coach, I help demystify the psychology behind high performance, peace of mind and well-being. Thank you for joining me. Now let's explore with today's featured guest. Today I'm joined by the wonderful Dr. Amy Johnson. Amy is a psychologist, coach, author and speaker who shares a groundbreaking new approach that helps people find true, lasting freedom from unwanted habits. She's the author of Being Human, The Little Book of Big Change and most recently, Just a Thought, a no-willpower approach to overcome self-doubt and make peace with your mind. In 2017, she opened the Little School of Big Change, an online school that has helped hundreds of people find freedom from anxiety and habits and live a more peaceful life. Amy is also the host of the wonderful podcast, Changeable, and she has been regularly featured as an expert on websites like Oprah.com, and as well as the Wall Street Journal. You can connect with Amy at www.dramyjohnson.com. Amy, you're very welcome. (laughs) Thank you so much for having me, Thomas. I look forward to this. And today our one word topic or concept that we're going to discuss is very fitting for our guest. The word is change. Why, Amy, do we humans find change so difficult? Such a, such a good question. Uh, you know, it's so ironic that we find it so difficult because change is constantly happening, constantly. But we humans, with, with our mind and our brain that's trying to protect us, and we get so identified with our thoughts and these narratives and who we think we are and, and how we think things are supposed to go for us. We get so caught up in that thought created narrative that in that it doesn't look like change happens all that easily, like within that narrative. So like for me, when I was, it was, I had years and years of anxiety, years of habits, eating disorders, all kinds of things. And And the narrative was constantly about me and my life and my problems. And that narrative didn't change much. I mean, it might be like, oh, this was a good day. Oh, this was a horrible day. But it was still this relatively tiny little universe of me and my problems. And so when all we know is that narrative, and, and this narrative's happening for everyone all the time, their own version of it, right? But when all we know is that narrative and we look to that as the truth of things as reality, because we don't see around it, it just looks like change is hard. We're trying to change the narrative. We're trying to force it. We're trying to make ourselves think or feel differently and, and trying to make all that happen never works. Again, ironically, it happens naturally on its own, but, but that's hard to see. So is it fair to say that we make change hard by adding volumes and volumes of thinking around the change. Is that what you're kind of saying? Yeah, for sure. And even more like, it's like we give ourselves an experience of change being hard and still 
life does what she does. Like change is still happening, but we can seriously miss it. You know, like we can live in this story of change is hard. I never change. Nothing goes my way. Meanwhile, things are changing all over the place. So yeah, it's, it's, uh, we make it hard, but even more so it, you know, it's still happening and we just, we can miss it. We just don't even see that it's happening. So with your clients as a coach and psychologist, how do you help them navigate change and make it lighter or easier? Yeah. You know, what's so amazing is all the things that we have been kind of taught to do uh, most of the things out there to make change happen. Um, they take a lot of effort. It's a lot of manipulation. It's a lot of willpower and a lot of work. And, and again, they kind of feel like they just get us more stuck. So what I help people do is just simply see what we're talking about. And I mean, they say that doesn't sound like a great answer, but it's like when we wake up to the fact that change is happening all the time. And yes, we might have a very repetitive narrator in our heads telling us about us in our life. And if we, if we're so identified with that, it's going to look like nothing's changing. But when people wake up to that, when we see, oh, that's just my mind that doesn't change really. That's just my mind that talks on repeat. That's not me. That's not life. It's not the truth of things. Then, you know, they naturally start to just listen to that less, be invested in that less. It just kind of falls to the background a little bit. And then they open their eyes and say, oh my gosh, this has been changing this whole time, but I couldn't see it because I was so identified with everything my mind said. Yeah, I love that, Amy. It strikes me as fascinating that when our mind is least trustworthy, we find it most compelling. Do you know what I mean? Like we believe that stream of murky thinking. But in your new book, just a thought, there's a chapter in it. There is nothing in your future. Now, for people who might be fearing a change or uh, trying to see around the corner as to what's next professionally or personally, could you say a bit about that kind of insummation? There's nothing in your future. Yeah, well, I mean... (laughs) <laughs> where did, what is the future? Where is it? When do we ever get there? Never. We know this, right? I mean, it's, it's a little, it sounds kind of cliche because we sort of know that yet. It's one of those things that I don't think we really, really take in and really see literally, literally the future is a thought that never materializes it's a thought that we can, we can be so wrapped up in. We can, we have so much emotion around it, so much fear of it. We live our lives in service of it. Like, I don't want this to happen. So I better do whatever today, or, you know, we do all that. And yet we don't see literally it is a thought conversation. It has nothing to do with, with life, with what's going to happen with anything else. It's just, a, it's just a mind predicting. And it's, it's cool to see, as you know, cause you read just the thought, like, like our brain just has to do that. Its whole job is to predict, to keep us alive. That's how it kept our ancestors alive. Right. And why we're here. So it's literally just a process of painting a picture of what might happen, what the future might look like. 
And then we innocently buy it. <laughs> we, you know, it just looks like the truth because our mind said so, because it looks vivid, because it makes sense. So to say there's nothing in our future is like so incredibly freeing because every one of us walks around with an imagined future that we don't realize half the time is imagined and it will never be real, especially not in the way that we imagine it. It'll just, it just doesn't show up, you know, the way that our mind creates it. Yeah, that's so interesting. I mean, it's really pointing to that life is just happening in the present. Isn't that fair to say? So then, as you often say, that's just what minds do, which I love and I find very freeing as well. It kind of leads to a deeper conversation of uh, our image of ourself and so many other things are just created by this survival mechanism. You know what I mean? Yeah. What could you speak to that because there's not really a question but maybe yeah, you heard something no but it's a such a huge thing to look at because man we feel so real don't we <laughs> who we think we are and our ideas of who we are and then we'll find evidence our mind will find evidence for it like everybody says i'm this kind of person and i always get this compliment or this complaint or whatever and and it's like a mind will just go find all the evidence that that fits this belief, this thought, which is what we and our identity really is. It's a thought. So, you know, in a sense to kind of look at it that way, it's like our, well, this is how I see it. It's like, we're all one. There's just this one energy and, and there's unique expressions of it all over the place, which is amazing and beautiful, but there's no separation there's unique expressions and there's just energy playing dress up as all kinds of people and all kinds of things. And, and then there's a physical body, almost 8 billion of them. And they, there's a brain in there that says, this body's my job. I got I, my job is to keep this one alive. So I'm going to, I'm going to focus on this one. I'm going to make it a thing. I'm going to give it a name. I'm going to tell it who it is. And, and, and of course, I'm just kind of summarizing this in a playful way, but in a sense, our brain just goes to work creating an identity for us. And there's a lot of science behind this too, which I won't get into, but our brain, you know, does that. And then again, it just goes through, through time, gathering evidence for this thing that it created, which is amazing and fascinating. And so cool that we get to sort of have this experience as a separate me and, and, you know, see a separate you and a separate them and, and live in that. But it also, you know, it also turns, turns painful very quickly. It's also the root of all suffering. It's the root of all feeling alone and not knowing what to do and feeling lost and literally all suffering. So I just think it's so amazing to see, wow, this whole idea of who we think we are, even if, even if we just hold it a little more loosely and just consider, yeah, that's a brain's job is to create a you. But when we really start to look at that, it, it starts to fall apart, you know, without a brain creating that constantly, who is you and where is you and, and why do you change or not change? And, you know, you can start to poke a lot of holes in it. Yeah. I was just thinking that it's, it's certainly not watertight and we build upon an abstract foundation of thought, more thought, more thought, more thought, and believe that it's a hardcore structure, something, something tangible 
and believable. But Amy, I wanted to ask you about, because I know a lot of your work deals with helping people change their habits. And I feel like you cannot follow anyone these days on social media or in the personal development space without the importance of habits being pushed. I'm just wondering, because I know your approach to changing habit or acquiring good habits is radically different. So can you speak to that, please? Yeah, you know, I just, I just see that we have so much, um, like life lives us perfectly, perfectly. And, and when we're really identified with, with thought, again, we, we have a hard time at it. And even that is perfect (laughs) to your point earlier about how the most painful stuff feels the most real, you know, even that is perfect because we get really caught up in our thoughts. We suffer a lot. And that, that leads us usually to see around that in some way, it's a wake up call, but it's like, we, if we have so much naturally going for us yet, yeah, what happens is we get caught up in a story that says, I'm a separate me and I'm not okay as I am. And I need to make this change happen. We just start to fully live in that story and living in that story. Again, I'm trying to manipulate things and change, you know, change our experience that's naturally flowing on its own. It just gets so messy and painful. So it is radically different, but I mean, it's pretty amazing to just kind of point people in a direction of like, look, if, if we just unlearn and let go, all of the, all of this stuff's just going to unravel. And it truly does. I mean, any issue we have is because we're clinging on to something. We're trying to solidify something or own something. And, and it's not even us doing that again. That's this identity. That's this mind and brain that says I'm an Amy and I need this stuff to be okay. And so it goes through life trying to hold on to stuff to make it okay. And then that doesn't work. And it says, I shouldn't be feeling this way. And it finds some way to feel better. And it's, you know, it's all so intelligent in a sense. And it, and it makes sense when you kind of see how it all works, but, but yeah, I think, I think all the stuff out there about trying to force change to happen or trying to have the right habits or whatever, you know, it's, it's fine. It does whatever it does for people, but but it just isn't that hard. It just isn't that hard. When we relax, everything tends to, and I don't mean relax, like sit down and watch a movie, but you know, like really relax. And that comes, I think, from seeing what, what you share or seeing what we're talking about here, seeing that everything is okay. We just get caught up in thought and we think it's not. So to someone who would be listening to this and they hear you saying, okay, all we need to do is relax. And then thought will unravel. We will be lived by life. The change process will be as it should in flow. Mm -hmm. How do we start to let all this built up thought unravel? Yeah. Well, I think, I think we, we see that it's thought that's a, that's the first thing, right? Like see that, that there, there is this nonstop first person conversation happening all the time. And we don't always feel it as a conversation, but sometimes we do. Right. And it's been saying I, and me and mine since we were two years old. So, so my mind says to me, I'm hungry and I'm angry. And why did 
my child have to do that? And why is my business doing this? And it's all so much ownership in that. And so of course, I feel like a me that has all this stuff that I need to manage and figure out and control. So just waking up to that narrator, to seeing, oh no, there's a stream of thought, but this stream of thought that's there all the time, that is not the, that's not all there is to life, not even close. That's just more information. It's just a mind doing what it does. But, but when we wake up to that, we, we get to then start to see what else there is what's beyond it. And that's, that's, what's really amazing. It's like seeing, okay, I've been identified with thought my whole life, but, but when I kind of, it's hard to talk about this, but like when I kind of fall out of that a little bit, or I hold it more loosely, or I get curious about what's that quiet beyond all this chatter when I'm not listening to that narrator, or it's just talking in the background, what else is there? That's, and people call that wisdom or truth or love or whatever they call it, but that's, that's a place to look. And that's a place again, that most people, you know, we're not typically told that unless we, we grow up and take an interest in that. Yeah. Yeah. It's like the, that analogy of the quiet flute in the background behind the loud marching band of our, our intellect and our um, habitual thought patterns isn't it funny, Amy, how I talk about being online and offline. So when we're offline, it's like, it's all me. It's my situation, my day, what's going right or wrong for me. But when we're online and when we're in that state of relaxation, mentally speaking, the tension isn't there, but it's we, there's a connection. Like you feel connected to life around you. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. And the only difference there is thought, you know, Mm. like more of that, just oneness where, where you're just like a kid, like just fully in life. There's not even a me or a they or anything. It's just this, it's just like, I'm in it. I'm just doing it. You know, that's, that's our nature. That's natural. It's default. That's there all the time. And then this line of thinking comes in that says me and mine and yours and them and all of that, you know, and then we just get identified with that. Yeah. So the online and offline, it's like all the only thing going on when we're offline is more thought that we're paying attention to. Why do you think it can be so hard to see that? You know, there's a a quote, when you're in the jar, you can't read the label. Why do you think that is? (laughs) That's great. I mean, that's why, right? It's like, it's just, it's just been so close. It's so in our heads forever. And it's, and it gets, it's, it's more than that. Even it's not just a familiarity or length of time. It's really compelling to listen to our mind. It, you know, it's, it's trying to protect us, not really us, but our physical body and the identity that it created. So when I don't feel well, my mind's telling me all these strategies, you don't need them anyway, or just go do this or that, you know, like it's very compelling to listen to that. We feel safe. And, and it's been doing that, you know, again, since we were two years old, something scary happened and our mind said, don't worry, I got you. We'll we'll never feel this feeling again. So that just becomes like the ultimate habit is listening to our mind and, and, I think that's why it's just tough. Yet we have so many examples of how that it hasn't helped, of how it's painful to listen to our mind, you know, but again, it's kind of along the lines of like, once we sort of have a belief about something or a habit is formed, we sort of filter out all the disconfirming evidence and we just kind of keep 
keep going back to it until we see. That's what I love about what we're talking about is like, we can also, it's also so easy and, and obvious and simple to start to wake up from this. It, it doesn't always happen super quickly, but you know, it's not like we'll never get back in our heads again necessarily, but, but to kind of, I think everybody has, most people are aware of some feeling of like, something's not quite right here. Like something's kind of off in the way my mind talks, noticing that it contradicts itself all the time or noticing how, you know, like there's all these clues all over the place that kind of lead most humans to say, I don't know, something's not quite right here. And that's what I see in a lot of the people that I work with is like, they've, we kind of just follow those breadcrumbs. And then, and then it's like, oh, I was right. Like life isn't just in this little narration. <laughs> there is more than just this little narration, you know? So once that, that tide is turned, like once we're kind of looking in that direction, then it's, then it's amazing. And I think it, it keeps unfolding and it's, and it feels so natural because it is natural to just be in life without lugging around this heavy identity. Yeah. And I guess because it's so, simple sometimes your intellect comes up with a story that it can't be that simple yes. i mean yes. i have to think about this but then that's just more and more turning the wrong way at the t-junction you know our intellect can't <laughs> even see it really a mind can't yeah. even see it because it's mm. too complex to begin with it's too smart to begin with so yeah mm -hmm. I just did a podcast episode called overlooked, which I just love that word for how this is. It's like, by the time our mind is thinking it, we're past it. Life is so intimate and so instant in here and now, and a mind just isn't by nature. So it's like a mind can never feel the here and now of things. Yeah. Something that's coming to mind, how would you distinguish a brain versus a mind? Well, I, I, tend to use the terms interchangeably, which isn't accurate. I mean, a brain is a thing you can put in a jar, I suppose, <laughs> and a mind is not. That's how I define it. You know, a mind is kind of thought to be maybe the activity, some of the activity of a brain or something like that. Um, but again, when I'm talking about it, usually it's just like, okay, there's this, there's this, it's like more like a verb than anything, than a, than a object. It's a verb. It's like, there's a process, there's a activity there's an activity of scanning and predicting and judging and labeling and, and identity creation and all of that. And, you know, that seems to happen through a mind, I suppose, but also it's part of what the brain does. Well, Dr. Amy Johnson on change, thank you so much for coming to the One Word podcast. And I'd like you to share where people can find you or how they can work together with you. Yeah. So uh, my website's dramyjohnson.com and there's all kinds of stuff there. Lots of, lots of free resources and all kinds of stuff. Super. And I will say from personal experience, just a thought, Amy's new book is phenomenal. So please do go out and buy it. I'll put a link to the Amazon uh, site in the show notes. That's it. Take care. All the best. Thank you so much for joining me on the One Word Podcast, and I hope you enjoyed today's episode. As an organizational wellness consultant, I work with individuals and teams to help them achieve more 
with less on their mind. You can get in touch now at hbse.eu. Also, did you know that a mind in a stressful state is like a flat tire, unable to perform at its best? If you'd like to transform your relationship with America's number one productivity killer, stress, you're very welcome to register your interest in my new video-based online course, A Fond Farewell to Stress. Visit hpse.eu forward slash stress. That's all folks, see you next time.